You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome edition of the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. USC had a practice this morning. We're going to talk about that. What happened up in Corvallis over the weekend when they took down the Oregon State Beavers 17-14. to I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside Chris Trevino. we got a lot to get to today on the show, and uh, thanks for joining us. We are simulcasting this live on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash inside Troy. So if you're watching this on a Tuesday afternoon, Post-USC practice, we thank you for joining us. And otherwise, if you're listening any of the podcasting platforms or watching the replay on YouTube, we appreciate that as well. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address where you can give us a call or shoot us a text. The number is the same, 424-254-9141. We got a couple voicemails. We got a couple text messages for you. I think we got one voicemail that's too long. Try to keep them about a minute or so. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to play them. Uh, if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please uh, follow the show, Peristyle Podcast, and leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate that. I think we have over 1,000 uh, reviews right now, our ratings right now. So thank you for that. It helps grow the show. But wherever you're listening, uh, and, you know, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in, any of those podcasting apps, thank you for doing that. And if there's a way to, to leave a rating or subscribe, we would appreciate you doing that as well. So let's bring in uh, Chris Trevino, my partner in crime. It's been, uh, we're kind of, I guess we're a third of the way through through the season. It, it, it becomes kind of a grind right now, Chris, don't you think? Yeah, it's like uh, fall camp or something, training camp. You hit that wall. You just got to get through the next third, and then you're like, we're in the back half. Let's just close out strong. So we're hitting that wall a little bit. You know, got the bye week coming up in three weeks, but things are happening, and at least it's a undefeated team that we're covering. And my follow-up question is, what's too long of a voicemail? Uh, I don't want it to be more than a minute, you know, like, no, but what was the one that you got? Oh, it was like two and a half minutes or something. Mm, so Google okay. voicemail shuts you off at uh three. Mm. So we've had those shut off, okay. but, uh, you know, if it's like minute and a half, I'll usually go, but like, it's more than that. You're like, okay, come on. So you gotta, and it's okay. If you, if it's too long, you can call back and leave another voicemail. Uh, no electrons will be wasted. It's fine. No problem. Um, you can do that, but yeah, try to keep them short. Uh, we'll get to that. want to thank our sponsor, before we jump into everything, Trader Joe's. It's tailgating season. Uh, I'm always going, making little trips over to Trader Joe's. We've got lots of cool snacks here in the office, thanks to Trader Joe's. But I was looking on TraderJoe's.com, and I saw this dessert that you're going to have to check out. Uh, chewy Salted Caramel Cookies. So it's Trader Joe's Caramel Sea Salt Baking Chips. Which are they describe as sweet, buttery, lightly salted morsels of caramel? Which yum! Wait, by the way, Chris, are you a uh, are are you a caramel guy or a caramel guy? Uh, caramel. Okay. Um, I don't like either. 
You're you're not a fan? No. Okay. I'm not a caramel guy. Well, anyway, these baking chips, I can't believe I haven't seen them before. Uh, they look awesome. And I love I love caramel. I usually say caramel, but uh, I know some people say caramel. But these cookies look... their own. Yes. They look great. Um, another thing, another sweet that I like uh, that you don't like. But uh, go check it out over at Trader Joe's. And like I said, when you go to TraderJoe's.com, uh, so many different uh, recipe ideas, things like that. I'm visual when it comes to that stuff. So I saw those cookies. And I'm like, okay, I got to check those out. And I didn't know about those uh, chips before. So I will try those. Um, we, we could have another bake-off if you want. I think that's a one-time thing. That was good. That was fun. One-time thing. We'll do it again next off-season, hopefully not during the season. But since October is next month and our next show will be in October, all your Trader Joe's reads have Ooh. to be about candy. There will be a lot of, uh, just yeah, holidays, a lot of Halloween stuff and everything coming on. Uh, all right. So we got an exciting show. We got a lot of questions. So we'll probably, it's probably more mailbaggy um, just because we got so many questions and stuff coming in. Uh, we did a show with Harvey Hyde yesterday. If you want to check, check that out on peristylepodcast.com. Chris will be doing a show with Gerard Martinez a little bit later on um, this week, uh, the two-star Recruits composite podcast. Check that out uh, if you like the recruiting stuff. It was a three-hour show last week. So, boom. Made the mark, hit the mark, and now I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, uh, but great stuff there. And then we will have a live Tunnel Vision show. Uh, with Chris and I will not be on it, but it'll be a show just kind of like this. Uh, but on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Twitter uh, with Jack Smith, uh, our, our intern, who's been doing a great job. Uh, RJ Abadia will be in studio with Jack and then Shotgun Spratling from afar. So we I don't, we don't get Shotgun in town this weekend, right? We've got ASU. Not the next two weekends. Yeah, so two home games coming up. ASU, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN, I believe. And then uh, the following weekend. 4.30. 4.30. On prime Fox. time on the big Fox, uh, USC Washington State. So one late, late game. And I think we got our heat wave back. So maybe the late game will be better. And then a uh, 4.30 game the following weekend. But so so make sure you check out the preview show. We'll have all that stuff coming up. Okay. Um, we're going to get to some of the kind of newsy stuff at the top. The polls came out, uh, as you may have known. Maybe, I'm, I don't know. Are you seeing less Oklahoma people in your mentions now? But uh, Oklahoma, ended up, Oklahoma ended up losing to Kansas State. Adrian Martinez, the former uh, Nebraska. Nebraska quarterback. Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, so USC basically just moved up a spot to number six in both polls after surviving, uh, a trip to Corvallis 17, 14 up there. So moving up the polls a little bit, I don't think the polls matter at all, but just, you know, kind of let you know what's going on. And I thought we talk, we can talk about the game a little bit. And I know we got questions that'll get into the game. We were both, Chris and I were both up there and then we'll kind of get, you know, if there's any updates from practice this morning, uh, I was not at practice this morning, full disclosure, Chris was down there. With our team, uh, my family flew in, so I was picking them up from the airport. So that's uh, that's nice. I get to, to see the fam. But I didn't get to go to practice, so Chris had to hold down the fort with uh, with our guys. But um, I don't know, Chris. Takeaways. We you know we talked about some don't, different shows already. Don't throw anything a vague at me. I've already done a roadcast. I've already done tunnel vision. I've already done instant. If you want to talk about Oregon State, you ask me some specific, right, Abraham? Okay, Chris Trevito. I don't Did do vagueness. Know, it's Tuesday. I, I was listening to the Cover 3 podcast. That's part go. of our network. That's part of our 24-7 plug, sports network. Plug it. Plug, plug it. it. Love those guys over there. Chip, uh, Danny Cannell, um, 
all those guys. Anyway, uh, you know, Bud. So I think it was Bud that brought this up that, you know, the, the big talking point. Now, USC's defense stepped up big time, uh, only 14 points to Oregon State. And that last touchdown was a very short field, 22 yards. Um, so, I mean, and, and Alex Grinch was kind of, to be honest, he was kind of pissed about giving up that touchdown, even though basically Oregon State took over in field goal range already. He doesn't care if they start at the one, Ryan. They he doesn't want them to score. to score. Exactly, which is good. But four more turn, four, four more turnovers, four more interceptions, four different players involved in those interceptions, um, which is interesting. 14 turnovers leads the nation. Tied. Uh, is it tied? Tied with another school. I okay. believe it's Central Michigan. Something like that. Something weird okay. like that. Uh, turnover margin, I believe, is nine. I mean, I, the 14, but the next closest is like nine. Like yeah. no one's really close on turnover margin. And obviously USC is the only team in the country that hasn't turned the ball over. But one of the stats that Bud pointed out was, did you know that a full one third of the drives that USC's defense have faced have resulted in a turnover. So that would re- that would mean uh, it would be what forty two total drives they've faced this season, and fourteen of them, or is that right? Did I get the numbers? Uh, but a third of the drives that they've faced, according to Bud on the, uh, the cover three, uh, have resulted in turnovers. A lot of talk is. Is this sustainable? All that. What? What? I'm going to get your thoughts on that, Chris. First of all, that's an insane <laughs> stat to throw at. You somebody. wanted specifics? Yeah. Thank you. Boom. Thank you. And that's an insane <laughs> uh, little stat breakdown. A third of the drives they face ends in a turnover. That's just insane, and just speaks to the turnaround that this defense is going through. But also, it is absolutely not sustainable there is regression coming but while it's happening now just enjoy it and these guys are doing a lot of the things that you need to do to kind of get those 50 50 little things that get you the turnover so they should be rewarded and praised for for that effort they put in whether it's you know tipping the ball uh, hustling to get to that you know like max williams diving for that play uh, similar to his one against Stanford, just kind of making the extra little effort to run and get it. Things like that are what gives you those turnovers. That's what things play in your favor in the turnover game, which there is a, you know, a, a lot of it is luck. It's a unique stat in that a lot of it goes down to just a little bit of luck and fluke things and weird things happening, hitting the ball a certain way, a guy not carrying it the right way, just a little things go into a turnover and sometimes you need luck. And regression will come for this uh, turnover-heavy uh, team. But right now, they're just rolling. And, you know, turnovers are still going to happen for this team. Maybe not four per game like some of these uh, these games have yielded. But for right now, the effort's there. The strain is there. And they deserve all these turnovers that they're getting because the way they're playing. I talked to Raylan Goforth about this. He said, when I watched the tape, we were just playing with so much fire. And that's what you need to come up with those kind of plays. So... They deserve the praise that they're getting. Mathematically, we're going to see that go back down a, a lot of bit, a little bit, whatever you want to call it. But for right now, just playing out of their minds uh, on defense with turnovers. 100%. Yeah, that's um, – I don't know about sustainable. I would say the – I mean, three out of four games, you got four turnovers. But 
like you said, they're doing the things. You're setting yourself up for success by doing the right things that turnovers can happen. Turnovers don't always happen, but if you're doing the right, if you're not doing the right things, it's really, you're basically, that's complete luck. You're just hoping that the other team coughs up the ball. You're doing like what Makai Blackman did. Let me put that picture up of him. He was pretty excited, you know, running down that ball and looking like a receiver and stuff like that's a great play. But the other stuff is when you're getting, you know, pressure on the quarterback and you know, they're getting the ball out quicker or you're tipping a pass or whatever it is. Yeah, I think something like that is you're doing things that don't always revolt, you know, result in a turnover, but um it's if like you keep doing that, good things will happen. Yeah, like it's it's like a garden, right? Like if you're planting this is this kind of food analogy, food analogy adjacent. Yeah, if you're talking about vegetables, I guess. Yeah, so we're like planting a vegetable garden and you could throw like a bag of seeds on dirt outside and, you know, maybe a squirrel comes by and like chews on the, the packet and it rains the next day. And like you actually get some cucumbers or something growing or like you till the soil and you plant the seeds and you water it every day and you make sure it's got enough sun. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get cucumbers, but you're giving yourself a damn better shot of having cucumbers that way than throwing the seeds out the window and, and hoping something good happens. So they're not always going to get the cucumbers, right? They're just not, but they're doing the right things to facilitate cucumbers coming and they're coming. They're getting, they've got bushels of freaking cucumbers, which is great, which is the, the food, you know, turnovers. Blue ribbon worthy cucumbers. (laughs) Yes. Um, And, you know, sometimes it might be dry out or whatever, like they're, you know, a heat wave, heat wave. Like we, we get here in LA. You know, and you, you might have done everything right and you're still not getting cucumbers. And that's fine. But I think what you have to give props to the defense for is that they've done the right things to let these turnovers grow. And they're growing. And uh, and whatever you want to say about the offense, you know, three really good games or, you know, two really good ones and one pretty good and one kind of stinker, they haven't done much to, as far as turnovers go. Like, I haven't seen a lot of Caleb Williams passes where you're like, ooh, you know, like, that could have been picked. You know, there were not a lot of that. Um, there's been a couple of balls on the ground. I mean, there was been, there's been way more plays where ooh, that could be a sack fumble and Caleb Williams gets away from what's going on, you know? So yeah, that you can't, you can't expect to have 3.25 turnovers a game or whatever they're doing right now. Something kind of crazy like that, but you're doing the right things that if you're, you know, you're, you're making your own luck by, planting everything and you know taking care of this to the point where it's pretty good chance you're going to get some cucumbers cucumbers (laughs) are the new turnovers yeah maybe that'd be funny like if they start throwing cucumbers around the sidelines every time there's a turnover it's not going to take off you don't think it'll take off? i don't think it'll take off they won't have a cucumber chain they're not going to do any of that Mm. Cucumbers. Uh, no, so they could play the soundbite in the locker room. We're like, we want cucumbers. <laughs> One of the student managers who's listening to the show, because we know you are, go in there, you know, take some cucumbers in, tell them about it. That could, maybe it'll catch on, you know. Uh, there's a turnovers part of it. So you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I've been encouraged with the way the defensive, the defensive performances have been. I felt Stanford was a weird one because they brought slow out a mesh. Yeah, the slow mesh kind of thing. Um, you know, Hayner and Fresno State. You know, they they had a lot of chunk plays. Uh, I feel like this was one where, you know, they just didn't see the same kind of success rate for Oregon State. 
And I, I don't know where you find fall on this, Chris, but sometimes if if an offense is going, someone's offense is going, it sort of like sparks the opposing offense and it's like it makes it tougher on the opposing I think it makes it harder on the opposing defense. If it's if it's gonna gate where, you know, if you're only scoring 14 points and it's sort of like back and forth, back and forth punting, your mentality is different than if like, oh, we gotta score every time. You know, it, it feels like if there's a high scoring game, like defense don't look as good, but for whatever reason, if it's playing off like a low scoring game, it's like easier for the defenses. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Because yeah, I see what you're saying because you're just kind of building confidence as you go as the defense, like, Oh, got a big stop. Oh, we just got another stop. Oh, we got a turnover. At that point, your defense is just riding a good chunk of momentum. Now, Oregon state did have that touchdown early to take the lead. USC trailed for the first time, but that didn't phase the defense at all. They really shook that off uh, pretty well and held it down going into that uh, that crazy fourth quarter and did everything they needed to do. And as I, I believe I mentioned this on the car cast or the roadcast, but no panic at all with the defense. No sense of like slumping body language, no yelling, no fighting on anybody. Everyone seemed to be on the same page. Everyone seemed to be like, we got this. We're okay. We can handle these guys. Yeah. And every time they came back, you know, it was like good-ish, good-ish. You know, this is what we do. This is what we do. And they just kept rolling. Every stop that they got, every big play that they got, just kept building and building and building. And again, shook off things like that short field we talked about with Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch wanted them to to hold them. They didn't hold them, but they didn't seem phased. And they came out there again. Got the big Makai Blackman pick and then also the game sealer. So that defense got punched in the mouth a little bit, but they punched back and they punched back hard. So yeah, excellent mental fortitude and excellent uh, togetherness in a hostile environment. And they really bonded through that all sides of the ball um, as a team. But defense really showed a lot. And I just want to see what they do next week. Yeah. 100%. I want to see what they do this week. Against a, a bad ASU team, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um just let people know, uh, unfortunately, for some reason, the comments aren't working. So if you're putting oh, no. comments in there, I can't put them up on the screen. I'll, that's one of my favorite parts of doing these. So I'm sorry that that's not working right now. But um, I'll be able to look at your comments at the end. So I'll try to pick out some questions. It's just a lot harder when it's just there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the chat. But thanks, everyone that's watching uh, live. It's always cool to get people in the middle of the day uh, coming in and watching what we're doing live. Uh, two things on the offensive side, Chris. Uh, right, right, right. Caleb Williams, yeah. 20 incompletions, um, not a, not good. But how much did he save this team by not getting sacked as many times as he could have and escaping, keeping plays alive, picking up the fourth down, um, those kind of stuff. And then the other one is my guy, Travis Dye. We got to talk about Travis a little bit. Third straight 100-yard game. So kind of get your thoughts on uh, those offensive aspects. Caleb, there were – I mean – that game on Saturday kind of shows why having a mobile quarterback is so valuable. Guys that can make things happen when things are breaking down or to keep things alive. And there were, I want to say, maybe four plays where it looked like he was dead to rights with the pass rush coming on. And then all of a sudden just did a little spin move. Just so calm it looked like he, when he was spinning out of those things and just... Kept the ball, kept the play alive, whether I don't know how many of those yielded uh, completion or just getting the ball out. But, yeah, he saved 
the offense from getting behind the sticks multiple times with that uh, athleticism to get out. And, you know, obviously he picked up the big first down with his legs with the help of Brett Nealon. But, you know, that was a play where he saw everything, didn't have the play through the air. And I'm not sure if it was the design run. Might have to ask him about that. But took off and made things happen, got it close, and then offensive line finished it off. The legs weren't were, – were, sorry, his arm wasn't, you know, on. The passing game was not on. So had to find other ways to contribute and move and make plays and, and do these little things. And when you have a dual threat, it's so much easier to uh, facilitate more and save the offense a little bit when they're struggling. And we know it wasn't perfect, but he really came through in the end with that touchdown pass to uh, Jordan Addison at the end. Uh, Lincoln Riley said today, Caleb did not have his best stuff. You know, it was like a pitcher coming out and just wasn't their day. And that happens. But at the end there, he he was there when they needed him the most. And talking about that touchdown pass, it was, he said, there's, there's not five guys in college football who can make that throw. And to do it in that moment, that's why Caleb is a special, special player. So when the moment was there, when the moment was his to take, he, he delivered and I think that's what you saw on Saturday. You want to see a bounce-back performance this weekend. If if everything goes right for USC fans and the Trojans, Caleb is going to have a very short game, probably come out at a halftime and get those young guys some backups. But, you know, you want to see this team get refocused and back on track offensively uh, against the Sun Devils. But, yeah, I mean, the legs were critical to getting something out of him to kind of keep the flow going or, or help uh, the offense just a little bit, even though it wasn't perfect. Yeah. And then what about uh, Travis Dye starts the game with that 26 yard run? Not much more excitement for the offense for a while till the fourth quarter, but that was a good start. You know, I was just cutting the film from the field level highlights and those will be up soon, but I was cutting it and there were so many like little, not little, but um, major Travis die runs because it wasn't there wasn't a lot of offensive highlights for this video it was mainly defense but the big plays are coming from Travis die with some some really tough runs where there were some big holes for him to run through so credit to the offensive line for that uh Travis died not the biggest guy I, I keep saying this not the biggest guy not the fastest guy not the most athletic guy but he's going to pick up yards and he's going to find a way to get yards and uh, RJ asked about it uh, today about how uh, Travis was just a stabilizing force for that offense that was so herky-jerky, unsure, out of sync. And to have a guy who could pick up yards when they absolutely needed in this game and to come up with that fourth down, fourth quarter touchdown was huge. And yeah, he was absolutely the the stabilizer for this team. I think that was a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, he was, um, and to be uh, the kind of leader that he's been, um, you know, we talked about this in tunnel vision and, you know, when Eric Gentry applauds, you know, when we asked the question about, uh, his third straight hundred yard game, I mean, he definitely has the respect of his teammates and USC needed every inch that he ran for, uh, 132 yards or whatever it was, um, on Saturday. So, all right, well, we, we've talked a lot about the Oregon State game. I know we got questions that'll kind of get into it a little bit more. We're going to do a preview later in the week, like I said, on Tunnel Vision on Thursday night. So check that one out. Uh, it'll be on podcast form and also here on our YouTube channel. If you're watching this live or watching it uh, on replay, 
and I think one of the things you could say about Arizona State, and it's a it's a role reversal, right? Last year, and you, this has happened to USC the last three times. Um, USC's had a lot of interim head coaches. You know, they've been through that. Sometimes it works out great. You got the Ed Orgeron. Everyone's rallying around him. Um, and you know, now USC's got a stable position as far as head coach goes. You get Lincoln Riley, and they're building the program up. Well, when you get an interim, it's usually the program's breaking down. And Arizona State won eight games last year. Uh, USC's next opponent. And I, def- I, you know, I predicted that they were going to go like you know four and eight or three and nine. I, I got to go back and look. But when I do my podcast, the champion show, a little plug there. Um, yeah, I thought Arizona State was going to fall off a cliff. I thought they did way better than I thought they would last year. Uh, but, you know, they had suspended a few, you know, junior coaches. Now, you know, more than half the staff is gone. A whole bunch of guys left their transfer portal. We already met, mentioned Eric Gentry, one of the young, dynamic defensive players in the Pac-12. You know, leaves ASU to come to USC. A lot of guys left. I think they were down to like five scholarship running, I mean, uh, wide receivers and like five scholarship linebackers, um, in fall camp. This is, I saw this coming from a mile away. This was going to just die. This was a program that was going to drop off and they're over under for wins was six and a half. And I bet the under for sure. And uh, that's going to be a good bet. They lose, um, what's the game they lost? They Eastern Michigan and Herm finally gets fired. It's just, and the dysfunction is similar to USC where it goes all the way to the president. Um, you know, Michael Crow, unfortunately for ASU fans, their presence still there. Ray Anderson, the athletic director, who was a former agent that was, you know, Herm was his client. And that's the only reason they hired him. They p- plucked him out of TV, hadn't coached in over 10 years, hadn't coached in college. Big mess. And you still have the AD, you still have the president. So there's more mess to clean up there. But on the football side, you know, this is a one in three football team. They won their first game was NIU. And then, uh, they're in a, they're, they're, this is a program in dire straits. And I say all that preamble, not because I knew that this was going to be a crap team, but it was. They are a bad team. And USC fixed some things on the defensive side of the ball or got better on the defensive side of the ball. Things maybe broke on the, the offensive side of the ball. Is it fair to qualify this game as like a, quote, get right game where maybe, you know, you got some guys coming back from injury. Things weren't looking as smooth. You get a home game against ASU at night. Should be, you know, it's college football, so anything can happen. But should be easy peasy. Should be able to cruise. Is this a get right game for you, Chris, uh, for USC ASU? I believe so, and I even referenced it as such on instant analysis this morning. Okay, where you're coming off a bad offensive performance, you weren't quite focused, and you need to refocus. You need to get things back on track. What's better than having a very wounded, a very beat up, a very spiraling program come into your house uh, at the Coliseum in a night game? Fans are going to turn up for this one, show up, I believe, and should be a good environment. And like I said, just a program in a spiral. And that's where you that's where you kind of run it up and get everyone back on the same page, because as I mentioned, you have. Pretty big game, Washington State in two weeks, and then the big Utah matchup. So this is a game where you need to get that confidence back. You need to get, realign things with this offense, get Caleb Williams uh, some touchdowns, get some passes going, get some deep shots going. They haven't really connected on a deep pass in a while. 
So they need to reestablish those big plays down the field. Just flush that game, get right here, get right with uh, ASU, and get some backups and playing time in that second half. Yeah, I think the the backup playing time thing is legit. Like that's something that we saw early on, and uh, you're not seeing much of that now. So I think they could. You could it'd be good to see some Miller Moss out there and stuff. And I think you got a good opportunity to do that against ASU. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and just dive into all these questions. Back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, yeah, that wasn't very long of a break. Um, But that's just the way we do things here. So, all right, we want to get into some questions. And uh, this first one, let's go with a voicemail, Chris, because, uh, you know, I've some people uh, want to. I, I don't know. It just they want to hear something different because the defense was much maligned. There was a lot of criticism. There wasn't. There shouldn't be as much criticism. Are you setting up this voicemail? I'm setting it up. Oh, okay. Uh, you don't. We don't want to see as much criticism after what the effort was for Oregon State. And I, I agree with the caller, but here I'll play it for you. First we beat Rice. No, no, they're not good. Wait till we go to Stanford. We beat Stanford. No, 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 no. Wait till you play. Fresno State. And then it's no, 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 no. Wait till they go to Oregon State. My question is, Ryan, when are we finally going to give credit to Alex Grinch and the defensive squad? No, they're not perfect, but I'm so tired. Just got to listen to Harvey Hyde again say the defense is horrible. I mean, we keep moving the goalposts. We know we're not going to win a national championship this year, but the kids are playing unbelievably, and it's time to start giving some credit where credit is due. Thomas from Malibu. Fight on. Yeah, Ryan. He's got a bone to pick with you. I don't well, think it was Coach with me. Hard. Coach Hyde. Coach Hyde. Uh, Coach Hyde was a little more critical of the defense than I thought it would be. But, um, no, for, I mean, I get it. Uh, I think, you know, we talked to Alex Grinch all the time. I got to, I was in his scrum asking him questions after the Oregon State game. I think all of us appreciate his answers good or bad when the team is doing well, when the defense is doing well, when it's not doing well, he gives uh, articulate answers. He can talk quite a bit when he does answer questions. So you don't get as many questions in. Um, but he says some interesting things, things that'll stick with you. Like the, you know, the sticking point, like Lincoln Riley brought up after the Stanford game, that goal line stand at the end and, and Alex Grinch agreed, but you know, Alex Grinch 
talking about giving up that touchdown on the short field as something that was a you know something that bothered him. That kind of tells you like that's that's you know you've only given up seven points all day, and the opposing the opposing offense gets the ball at your twenty two. Like it's kind of understandable if you have some points, you know. Um, but no, I, I I feel like Chris and I both have given props to the defense, and even with the the Stanford game, um, you know, talking about. I I mean I don't know that it didn't seem like anyone else was harping on the they pulled out a whole brand new offense even though they played in week one didn't show this offense and then showed it in week two. Uh, to me, I I said they were pulling out all the stops there, so I was giving the defense more of a benefit of the doubt even after the Stanford game. But I don't know. What are your thoughts, Chris? What's the question? I don't know if there's a question. It's just more about I. Why aren't you giving the defense props, Chris? I was giving the defense plenty of props. Yeah. I think Oregon State is a good program, a good team this year, and that was an offense that could put up points. They're, they're not as formidable on the ground as they were last season, but still no. a really good O-line. They're still going to be physical. Nolan, you know, going in was – uh, looking like a really good quarterback, made a lot of mistakes, but they took advantage of that and you know forced him into mistakes as well. So I give them a lot of credit for that Oregon State win and sort of rising to the task of not having an offense that's going to put up forty points on this night and saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll we'll take up the, we'll pick up the slack, we'll we'll carry this into the fourth quarter so you guys can get your stuff right." And they did, and that was the. Because the formula has been for USC, get up super early, score a lot, then let that d- defense kind of pin their ears back and get takeaways and just bridge the or just open the gap where takeaway possessions where it becomes hard to catch USC's offense. But had to go a different way, had to be a, a knife fight, drag it out fight, and they rose to the challenge. So I give them a lot of props for doing that, especially on a road game, that environment, night, Oregon State coming for everything you know, trying to knock off a top 10 team. So I give them plenty of props yeah. for uh, this weekend. We had a voicemail from Eddie from Orange. It was two minutes long. Um, was it all about solo? He said every quarterback that played USC, so this is more about the defense, Okay, played their worst game. So I guess Tanner McKee, he would talk about that. You know, Hayner ended up getting hurt. Um, so he's saying that, you know, and that was definitely Chance Nolan's worst game, I think. Um, he feels it's the best win in 10 years because it was a gritty win. Uh, c- compared it to being a Mexican boxer who takes punches, punches and punches, and then throws that knockout blow. I couldn't play it any cause it was too long, but, um, thoughts on, on that. I didn't, I didn't really realize like, yeah, but they, this was probably whoever the quarterbacks at USC played. It was probably their worst game when they played USC. Doesn't that kind of point to. USC's defense is the reason why they're playing their worst game. Right. I think so. I think he's trying to get... Wait, was the first voicemail we played? Was that Eddie from Orange, too? No, that no, was, was Thomas the... from Tom... Malibu. Perfect. Okay. I got you. Thanks. Uh, As a Mexican myself, yeah, I think that's a, a good analogy because I made the reference to this team getting into a phone booth, a phone booth fight with Oregon State, and it was they had to be scrappy. They got to be... Uh, on point, they had to take a lot of blows, but they dished more blows in the end and were able to walk out the victor. So the defense grew up a lot and learned to take a lot more punches, deal, take on a lot more damage and dish it out twofold. And I think that's a sign of a really good defense. 
It's the sign of a growing defense. Yes. And again, I want to see what they do this coming week. I want to see how they build off that. I do too. Uh, I'm very curious about this one. We got a text message from DC Trojan. Uh, He had two questions. One, was Caleb Williams' problem Saturday due to Oregon State's scheme and game plan or his own struggles? And then two, can Oregon State's game plan be replicated by others? We heard someone wrote into the Harvey Hyde show, Chris, that talked about this looks similar to what Baylor did. Um, I think this is more of a mix. Like, I felt like Oregon State was dropping a couple safeties deep a lot, but they were bringing different blitzes and stuff too. And I felt like there was, it wasn't anything that was so crazy that you couldn't have beat the scheme. But I think some of that underneath stuff was where you needed to go. And Caleb just didn't look super comfortable, right? Like, Definitely wasn't comfortable. No. Definitely wasn't give taking what they were necessarily giving him at yes. times. And he was just sort of looking for that big play, which is kind of like the quicksand analogy where you make don't make the play and then you keep trying to make the play, keep pressing, which can be a really big issue as the quarterback. And Lincoln kind of said he just he didn't have it that day. He didn't have his best stuff uh until, you know, that very end, that end drive, that end throw. But it, it's like that, and I and Brett Nealon did say that the defense front, they did throw some new stuff at them that they didn't see, so there was some stuff that maybe they weren't used to that just kind of compounded uh, the already uh, clear issue of them being off on Saturday. So I think it was a mixture of a lot of things that yeah. uh, kind of went into not being uh, as finely tuned as USC fans have come to be accustomed to. I would agree with you there. Um, we have uh, Sergeant Strong wrote in. He says, man, oh, man, that game was sloppy. And it showed a lot of holes in the USC offense. Caleb didn't look comfortable at all. Things we really need to tighten up before we become a serious national title caliber team again. But I must say, with all the scrutiny the defense uh, has been having all season, they sure stepped up in this game. For them to hold a very solid Oregon State team to only 14 points was amazing to me. A round of applause for Alex Grinch in that defense. They let some big plays go, uh, but held them when it mattered most. That was a true example of fight on. Thank you guys for opening up a platform for all of us USC fans to vent, to get a solid di- uh, dialogue about the team we love. Fight on, Sergeant Strong. Don't think there's a question in there either. Just a comment. Just wanted to say kind of what we've been saying, how you know defense has gotten a lot of scrutiny, but took a big step forward on Saturday. And I think when he one of the points he makes is about being a national you know, national championship caliber team. I don't think this is a national championship caliber team. I don't think this is, uh, this is a flawed team. All college teams are flawed in some way. This is a year one rebuild that was accelerated greatly because of the transfer portal, because of the caliber of coach that was hired and the caliber of staff he brought together. I think this could be a playoff team still. Uh, Now, if they play the way they did Saturday, no. But the, the, the path to the playoff is not the same path to winning a national championship. The path to the playoff is sneaking in at number four. I think USC can do that. Um, it's not even like sneaking. Like they'll be, you know, if they keep winning, they will be the number four team. You know, they could be higher than that if like Ohio State loses. They're not going to be better than Alabama is. They're not going to be better than Georgia is. And they're probably not going to be better than Ohio State is, even if one of those teams lose a game somewhere. Um, but I feel like they can play good enough that they can win 
They could be, be the best team on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, we got some teams that are looking good. You got four Pac-12 teams in the top 15 of the AP poll. That's pretty good. Washington looks legit. Like the offense, Michael Penix from Indiana, who was with Caleb DeBoer when he was the OC there. Like, that's working. That's similar to what Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley have, right? You have Michael Penix. Now, this was a few years ago, but you're reuniting coaches and players on a new team, you know, a quarterback and a, and a co- head coach on a new team. So I feel like this is a team, though, if they get it together and they start scoring points like they were doing before, no reason they couldn't go like 11-1, win the Pac-12 championship, and go into the playoff. But I don't think they're a national championship caliber team, and something people are putting them to that standard already, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's where you want to go, but I don't think that's somewhere you're going in year one. Right, and we knew they didn't have all the pieces for that. Yeah. But if you keep performing like that, you'll attract the pieces. You will. It's... It's an attraction. You want to bring in the, you got to, they hit a, they were gangbusters recruiting. If you remember, Chris, like you guys talk about this a lot, right? Boom. And then you kind of hit a wall. It was to the point where like the preseason higher hype, all that stuff, you can only get so much. Like there was only so much recruiting on faith you could do. Yes. Now you have to say, oh, I want to go play for Lincoln Riley because their offense is great. There were some big time, Offensive players, Chris, that were committed before the season started. And some of the teams they're on don't look so good, especially on that side of the ball. USC's offense, you know, three out of four games looked really good. They continue that going. I mean, I don't know. that You want to track pieces. You might be able to track pieces that are already decided to go elsewhere because when it came down to Saturdays, those programs that had all the hype that USC had or similar, they've fallen off. And USC's kept it up there. They're still undefeated. They're number six in the country. Like that's a to go from number four four wins to number six in the country. It's a pretty big switch. We're approaching flip season. We're approaching where USC can start taking start being the one that gets the calls from recruits to be like, hey, I want to come play for the for yeah. Look, um, maybe I should have listened to you a little more when I when you first recruited me. So. USC keeps winning. Those phones are going to keep, uh, the phones are going to ring as well. They'll be buzzing. Let's go to another voicemail. Hey, Ryan. It looks like we, our offense is going to have to run the ball a little more because they're dropping aid and all kind of exotic coverages on, uh, Caleb Williams and, uh, they're leaving some rushing yardage on the table. I couldn't believe after that long touchdown, excuse me, the long run by Travis Dye, the first play, we didn't run anymore. And I think we got a field goal. But And on defense, we were going against some uh, future pro offensive linemen, weren't we, on Oregon State, these big, powerful linemen across the board. They were talking about how big and powerful they are. Man, we stopped them 150 yards. They usually get 250. They got over 300 on us last year. Yeah, it ain't the same team, is it, Mr. Beaver? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Are you Mr. Beaver? No, I I don't know who Mr. Beaver is or if he's talking to the... Well, I'm going to call you Mr. Beaver for the Mr. Beaver? of, this, of okay. this, uh, this show, I think. I don't know who you're referring to. It's funny, like, if we ever talk about, like, that another team exists, they're like, oh, you're just back in that other team like no we there's an opponent and we have to tell you about them you know whatever you say mr beaver but 
<laughs> I blanking on the first part. Oh, play calling. Yeah, Lincoln did mention that he felt like the play calling was an issue, and he put that on himself. He did. He put a lot of that on him, him and the offensive coaching staff because this offense is his baby, Mr. Beaver, and <laughs> he takes a lot of pride in it. And if something's not working, a lot of it's going to be on him. And you know, credit for him for saying, you know, it's on us as coaches. We didn't get them prepared enough. There was a lot of things that went wrong, but he said it starts with the coaching, and they need to get them right and get them ready for the next uh, the next game. Justin Bieber, is that what you're talking about, or no? Am I, no, I'm, I'm saying he's Canadian. We're not related. Justice Bieber. No, I'm saying Bieber, not Bieber. Oh, so Bieber. Okay, is that all the voicemails? Uh, that's all the voicemails. We, we got some more emails and another text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're good with Hit that, me with the text. Uh, okay, we got a text from Jordan in Costa Mesa. With Oregon State playing against Utah this week, who is the rooting interest for USC fans? I think we would prefer to have a f- to face a one-loss Utah team, but also don't want our win over Oregon State to be discounted. Uh, thanks for all you do, Jordan and Costa Mesa. I love when these kind of things come up. You're worried about. I mean, honestly, to me, it doesn't matter at all. You just beat the people in front of you, and you're fine. And you're fine. Yeah. But from a national perspective point, you probably want Utah to win. Yeah, yeah, but even that doesn't matter. Like, I think if USC, if, if USC is good enough to make the, like, if their resume, like, it's not about, like, I don't think it's going to come down to, well, what happened with Utah? What It's more about what did USC do? So if USC went 11-1, and one, and I don't even care who the loss is, and then they win the championship game, they're 12-1, and one, Pac-12 champs. I don't think it matters if Utah beat Oregon State or not in week five. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not saying in terms of like, sorry, like the Pac-12 championship or resume. I'm just talking about like, I'm talking about college game day. Ryan. Yeah, if you want college what game I, day. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Let's, let's, let's be real, Mr. Beaver. I'm talking about them going 5-1 and one Utah, top 15. I believe they're 15 right now. Yeah, 6-0 and oh USC. There might be 12. They might. I think they're higher. Oh, maybe not. They're uh, they're top fifteen. Whatever. Yes. So top fifteen, maybe a top five USC team, depending on what happens in the next two weeks. That's got college game day written all over it. Right? It could. That could and definitely. It looks a lot be. sexier than a four and two uh, Utah team, kind of at the bottom of the top twenty five or out of the top twenty five. So. Now the one aspect of this, because there's no more divisions. Um, Technically, if you're worried that USC might not make the title game, this is more less of outside the national perspective. This is like if USC goes like seven and two in conference, which if that's the case, you're not making the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. You're just trying to qualify for the title game. There's scenarios where you could lose to Utah and then end up third. Like you have the tiebreaker against Oregon State already. So in that scenario, you probably want Oregon State to win because you would have a tiebreaker against them where you might lose to Utah, you know. I don't know, but it, it, it's one I of those things. I see what you're saying. I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, but that's like that's more of a be in the top two in the Pac-12. I think the question was more focused on strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff. But I think the most important thing is like what Chris said. Like you want to play, you want it to be a big game versus Utah, game day stuff like that. So probably root for Utah to. Uh, to win that one. We got one from Eric in Duck Country. It says, Ryan and Chris, uh, I've got a restaurant analogy and a question. To go along with your visit to Portland, USC's defense is like a food cart. It's in a random parking lot, needs a new paint job, 
It has a, quote, B rating from the health inspector, and you're eating off of paper plates. But the food is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm sorry. But the food is phenomenal. While Georgia might be a Michelin star restaurant where everything is perfect, USC's defense is great where it counts, turnovers, red zone defense, and scoring defense. He called USC's red zone defense number three in the nation. The food card isn't perfect, but it's great where it counts. My question is, do you think watching this game gave opposing coaches hope, seeing that the offense can be slowed down, or do you think watching this game is discouraging, seeing how defenses can step up like that? Thanks, uh, Eric and Duck Country. I like that analogy. Especially since we went to some food carts in Portland, probably why he threw that out there. Shout out to uh, your girlfriend for telling us to do that. Shout out. To my girlfriend, Mr. Beaver. But (laughs) I would say that the coaches are probably more discouraged. Because I think overall, Lincoln's offense is going to score points regardless sometimes. There's just nights where it's going to be on fire. But when you stack that with a defense that played like it did against Oregon State, then it's like, oh, this is a way more complete team. This is a more problematic team for us. So seeing the defense get better, I think, is or seeing the defense grow and have a performance like that uh, is the more more discouraging as opposed to more encouraging, seeing the offense struggle. Does that make sense? I got it. Um, Mark wrote in, he says... Just wondering if there's been any comment from the Pac-12 about Robinson's broadcast comment of, quote, damn it, when USC got a first down on Saturday. What happened to the commissioner's edict to treat USC and UCLA fairly from Mark? You thought that was real? I missed that. Was that a real thing? No, I just meant like. Oh, yeah. The edict was real, yeah. That was he doth protest too much. Like no one one was questioning how USC and UCLA would be treated. The Pac-12 brought that up themselves and brought up multiple times. Which is like more of a red flag than anything. Like, is that a, is that a question? Like, okay, maybe it's maybe it wasn't like a damn it. Like that maybe it was a Beaver reference. What yeah, you think, Mr. Beaver. They didn't like, damn, damn it. it. They didn't damn that. They needed to damn it. Damn that hole. I, I gotta listen. I didn't hear that one. I, I saw someone tweeting. A, I saw someone mentioning that the broadcast seemed to be favorable towards Oregon State. Yeah. But it's back to the network. What do you want? What do you want? I know. That, no I, one was able to see it. So maybe it was like, F it. I'm going to do this drop. We never got this one before. So I, we have to ask. Nick B says, hey, guys, what's up with Corey Foreman specifically? Did he spell it right? <laughs> he spelled it right. Specifically, I thought I'd see him in the last drive as a pass rush specialist, specialist but nope. Any insight? Keep up the good work, Nick. And uh, it's funny. Someone... And the Harvey Hyde podcast, we had this whole debate about, well, not a debate, but someone said, like, why are people calling Lincoln Riley like Lincoln uh, instead of Coach Coach, Riley? Riley, And, you know, I told them, like, from the journalism world, that's just not what we do. You don't call, he's not my coach. Um, You know, it sounds like you're a fan if you're calling him, hey, Coach Riley, you know, uh, if you're coached by, you know, whatever. And, I, you know, I talked to many media people. Maybe get your thoughts on this too. And then Harvey Hyde was more of the like, it's respectful to a coach. And I call coach Harvey Hyde. I call him coach when we're doing the show. We're like, you know, he's my colleague. He's a coach. That's he's an analyst. That's kind of his job. So I I do that. If I was on Pac-12 Network set and it was like, uh, 
Nick Aliotti or whatever was there, I'd say, you know, I'd probably do the same thing. Uh, but not when we're asking Lincoln Riley questions. He's not our coach, and that's just whatever. But someone complained on the peristyle, like, complained about, you got to show respect. And then he wrote Corey, C-O-R-Y Foreman. And so I was like, you know what one way to show respect to somebody? Is that, is that spelling, still on there? I want to see that. Spell their name correctly. Yeah, it's in the Peristyle podcast, Harvey Hyde Threat, uh, unless he edited it. But yes, I'm like, that's the way you can respect somebody, by spelling their name correctly. So long kind of tangent there. But if you want to do any thoughts on the calling someone coach and then Corey Foreman, go right ahead, Chris. I call – I call – I call coaches like at the high school level that I know, I, I will call them coach. Um, it's just a term. Um, yeah. But for the most part, yeah, you don't, I don't feel like you need to call uh, a coach like at the college level or interviewing coaches. I don't, sometimes I do it, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's wrong either way to do it. I feel like I just went against what you were saying. Mr. No, Brown. no, I'm that's sorry. That, that's not, that's not against what I'm saying. Like, if you feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. It's not like um, it's not disrespectful, I guess I would say. If you're calling them, when I hear it, and when you're asking questions, I don't hear you say that. There's other sites like in our industry that are more on the fan kind of side, I guess that I I hear them refer to the, as coach more like all the time. It's like coach, 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 and um, I don't know. Just it kind of it's, it's a little cringeworthy for me sometimes if you overdo that's that. That's fine. But, yeah. But it's not disrespectful. We're, we're not, we're, you know, we try to be as professional as possible. We're not showing any disrespect by not referring to a guy that's not coaching us as coach. It's different. And then someone, he made the analogy about a doctor. And there was a, there's a coach on Football Scoop, I think, that wrote about this. And he gave a flow chart that was like, does he coach you? No, don't call him coach. Does, or then he said, does he coach your kids? If he does, you might want to call him coach. Otherwise, don't call him coach. You can call him whatever you want, you know, his name. I'm trying to, do you want to take the Corey Foreman? Cause I'm tired of talking. Yeah. About Corey Foreman. Uh, he didn't play. Um, this is all about what are you doing in practice? Uh, I think if he was performing at a high level in practice, you would have seen him on the field. You did not. So I don't, I, I get it. He's a former five-star player and everyone wants to see him. Um, if he's, Worthy of getting on the field, I have no doubt that this coaching staff will get him on the field. We, have, we haven't been told he's not worthy of getting on the field, but that's what their MO is. So we're taking them at their word. Or this is like they're not keeping off a, a, a Corey Foreman off the field. If there's something he's got to do practice-wise, whatever, that's, that's where I think we are right now. So sorry. Yeah. We don't have a better update for you. Now, Corey with a C format, I can't tell you what's going on with him. I'm not sure what's going on with that guy. Um, It's a little discouraging. And then we have one more from Alfred, and we'll do a couple uh, uh, chat questions, too. He says, I'd love to hear how Jude Wolf is progressing. Is he still on track to play later this year? And what's the stats with Damani Jackson? He ended up playing in that game. So, Um, Lincoln said Damani is healthy. Okay. Clear indication by him playing on Saturday. And he said he earned those those. Those uh, those opportunities that go in with that that special package. So tells us he's playing well in practice. He's healthy, which is the most key part. As we we talked about him multiple weeks ago about Lincoln Riley saying first things first, he needs to get healthy. So he's done that, performing in practice, getting time on the field. So 
He had a pick today against the scout team offense and another pass deflection. Nice. Almost another pick uh, against Gary Bryan on a deep shot uh, by the scout team offense. So starting to you know make some plays. I think we're going to see more of him as the, the weeks go by. So look out for that. And who? what was the other one? Jude Wolf. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I don't know if I can really comment on injuries, but I will say Jude is progressing nicely. Nice. Uh, and I would say he is on track to return this season. Nice. So. All right. They could use him at the tight end spot. Um, I know we didn't really get into practice updates from this morning, but Cortland Ford, um, Lincoln Riley made a comment about that, right? Being 100%. We thought we'd see him last week. He said he was real close, didn't end up playing. So he was right on the edge. Yeah. And in a perfect world, they would want to get him that extra week off just to get him right. You know, going to some big games with Washington State and Utah, get him 100%. And if Bobby can take all the reps on Saturday, then that would be ideal. And that's and what happening. Bobby came out healthy, uh, and now they have two healthy tackles. He yeah. said Cortland's 100%. So offensive line, a little, a little bit more healthy. Yeah, that's in, good. In a, in a big way. We'll do a couple chat questions. Um, bless him breaks. Love that we're winning, but we have to, we have yet to put together a game where both the offense and defenses are dominant. Other playoff caliber teams like Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State all have those. Yes, and USC is not that caliber of a team. So right, well, they're not that caliber of team. Right, but I think we'll see a more balanced uh, game from them at some point where the offense is clicking, the defense is playing really, really well. But they're not there. They're not that caliber of team. They're trying to get to that caliber of team, but they're not there yet. Yeah. Tank so I, oh. you, the question should just end it. I'm enjoying all the winning. That's what it ends with. Just end it there. Enjoy the wins. Enjoy it. Um, Tank Guy 27 says, first time I've got to catch the show live. Just wanted to thank you all for your work. Wow. Glad to have you around, Chris. And he says, Ryan, you look like you need some sleep, buddy. Nice. Well, I look like, like I need. You look like he Mr. Said, Beaver. I'm, usually it's me. Usually I'm, I was up early for the gym. I picked up I two airport trips today. I'm a little tired. Got a lot of stuff going on. I forgot to put the lights on even, so we would probably look a little bit better with the lights. But thank you that. Um, Najee says, L-M-A-O-O-O, Ryan's food analogies are comedy. We appreciate that. We, we try to make them funny, um, but you know we want to be informative too. Andrew says, do you think USC should have run jet sweeps or get Jordan and Mario the ball? To get Jordan and Mario the ball. You have to find a way to get them the ball and make plays with their feet, in my opinion, since pass, the passing game was off. Yeah, those guys needed to get the ball more somehow. Short touches, short passes, whatever, just to just to get them going, get the confidence going, get the get the rhythm for Caleb Williams and those guys. I, I think they needed more of that. And you allow, you allow. The broadcast said that the Beavers had pumped fan noise in. How loud was it compared to USC? Should USC consider that? They're not pumping in noise during the play. It's like other stuff, so... I think that it seems like a lot of people thought that, Chris. Like they weren't, they can't simulate the crowd noise because half the stadium's gone. So we're going to pump crowd noise in. During the play, it's only what the crowd's doing. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. So this isn't like, because they did that in 2020, right? With the fake crowd noise. Yeah. You were allowed to do that? I think so. But I think maybe it had to stop at a certain point. I, I don't remember. I uh, liked that that whole year. It was, it was very weird. Yeah. A weird year. But it was very loud in the little makeshift press boxes. I mean, that, the stadium was loud. So, Cameron, uh, do you see this defensive performance as an anomaly or as a trend in the direction of a conference championship defense or playoff contender? 
I wouldn't say playoff contender, but I think it is trending in the right direction because that's the kind of defense you need for a Pac-12 championship or a conference championship in general. You need a team that our defense that plays tough, holds holds offenses out, creates turnovers. And I mentioned this; it feels like we've seen little bits and parts of the defense in every week do yeah. the similar things, and they kind of putting it all together uh, every other every week. And this was their most complete performance, their best performance of the season. So I don't think it's an anomaly. I think it's a reflection of what we've seen over four weeks, and that's growth. Yes. All right. Well, we're right about the hour, so let's just wrap it up. Um, Good. I want to go take since, a nap, Mr. Beaver. Since people are, yeah, people are saying I'm tired. Uh, sorry, we didn't have the comments. Sorry, we didn't have the lights on today. <laughs> just it's, it's been a. It's the wall, baby. Let's go. We're, we're in the wall. We're, we're, we're um, getting there. We're but getting this it is done. fun. These we're are always fun. I love doing these live ones. I love the interaction. So thank you for. That makes one like of us. 200 people or something. I know Chris doesn't like it, but I like it's fun. I think we had like 200 people in the middle of, you know, Tuesday afternoon watching us uh, record a podcast. They're basically just watching us record a podcast. So, but thank you for doing that. Um, we appreciate that. For Chris Trevino, right over here, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.